Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On today's show, we pull back the curtain on coping with trauma and much, much more. Press, what's popping, baby? Hey, Jules, man. This episode just came at a at a interesting time, man. Where we are, you and I, we've had some conversations this week, and just about some of the things that are going on in audience. I'm just sick of getting on this show and having to talk about just fucked up things that are happening out here. Now we gonna talk about some of this stuff on the show today, man. But Jules, I'm gonna tell you, man, I'm just I'm sick and tired of man us talking about the same shit over and over and over again. Something has to change. Mm-hmm. Something has to stop. These conditions that are out here. I'm just sick of them, man, and I don't know. But audience, <laughs> Jules and I, we gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna have a frank conversation with y'all today, and I, that's that's the best way I could put it. But there's some things that are going on right here in this world. I'm just sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of talking about the same shit. I'm sick and tired of talking about mass shootings that are going on. I'm sick and tired of talking about black men that are being fucking murdered by law enforcement. I'm sick and tired of seeing this shit. It has to stop. What happened to Brother Nichols? Uh-huh. What you think is going to happen to people that's wearing that uh-huh. uniform? First, we lived this through so many. I mean, especially with George Floyd. It just, George Floyd and, 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 and the pandemic, it just exploded. Coming out, you know, with Armand Arbery and, you know, and, and Breonna Taylor. And, and, and it's like, I'm just, Prayers. I'm just tired of, and and you know, I, I I don't speak for the for the law enforcement community. I speak for myself and guys who works jobs just like me. I we do not condone what some of these cats, some of these officers are doing out here. We we hell. It doesn't. It makes everything. It, the, the the work we put in the, the people we we come across it just it's just not good overall for something like this happen and and it's no reason it is no reason for things like that to happen i understand you have to do your job but just senseless stuff senseless stuff Man, i mean they, they, I, they beat this man to death yeah i what are y'all are y'all just dogs with badges? I mean, hmm. when I heard about it, I was like, what it is, what is this a game? And it's like, what are we? Yeah, and, and insult the injury, you guys are all brothers, man. It's like y'all did not see 
this y'all did not see himself and you guys, yourself and him. Right. Nobody right. on the outside will say, hey, man, he's good. We we good. I got this. Calm down. You know, to intervene. Dude, to intervene. Why are we? Well, just to kind of uh, to really reinforce what you just said there, these five officers were black men. Mm -hmm. What do you and I always talk about on the show, man? We have to come together as a people. Now, I understand that if you're a law enforcement, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're whatever your profession mm -hmm. is, you got a job to do. I understand that. But there's ways to do your job effectively, and there's ways not to do your job. And murdering people right. is not how you fucking get your job done. And I'm sorry, but there's no excuse for what they did. And the fact of the matter no. is, you and I talked about this offline, it was so bad that the police chief fired them cats off real. They, they fired them and charged them. You, they fired them and charged them. They cook. They are a cook, and they go into jail. I, I just shake my head, man, because we're you know we we we're the ones that people look up to to when they call for help or or when if they need something, direct anything. Hell, that shit. We wear so many damn hats. You know, people ask me for anything. I I, I don't know everything, but I'll, I'll try to help. But not that. Not a traffic stop, you know. We we learn things and, and we learn tactics and, and 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 we go through high speed chases and and what have you. We get a lot of training for five officers. You couldn't control one person, even if he was fighting. Prince, let's just say if he was fighting. I don't know. I haven't seen the put it. Even if he was fighting, five officers and one person. And, and where's the tactics? Where's the training? Where's the training? Where's the tactics? Where's, where's the empathy? We just talked about the empathy? empathy. Right. That's a human being. Right. That you beat like a fucking dog. Right? Right. And I looked at all the mugshots from all five of them dudes, and I just looked at them, and I'm like, yeah, so it looks about right. You know what I mean? It's our own. It's our own to continue to do this shit to each other. It's, it's, it comes down to power. You get people that get a little bit of power to them. Man. And they abuse it, Jules. Now I know you. I've known this dude since I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. I ain't never got to worry about hearing no shit like that about my brother Jules. But you get some cats out here. They get a little bit of authority to him. And I'm not just talking about law enforcement. It could be a fucking security guard. It could be a fucking traffic fucking person. Mm -hmm. Anybody that thinks that they got some authority over you, watch how they act. Them goddamn people at the airport don't be in that don't be in uh -huh. that fucking pickup lane more than 20 seconds. Oh, the T oh the TSA. Bruh. Yeah, they they yeah, they they rough, man. They don't play no games. They, they rough, man. But that but the, my point is though, is uh -huh. people gotta stop letting that fucking power get to their fucking heads. In the case of this situation with Tyree Nichols, he shouldn't uh -huh. got killed for a traffic stop. No, no, no. A traffic stop should not be a death sentence. I've talked about that before on this show. Now, when you look at the situation that happened in Monterey Jules, where this guy went into that fucking dance academy. Killed 10 people, shot 10 others, was able to get out of there unscathed, attempted to go to another dance academy to do that same thing all over again, to be subdued by the owner's son. Mm -hmm. How come that don't happen to him? He killed his own self. See, this is my thing. Whenever we see these mass shooting scenarios happen, how come that shit don't happen to them cats? Beat the hell out of one of them motherfuckers. 
Stop doing it to people when you telling me, oh, well, this guy, he had a traffic stop, but he didn't comply. He, he was fighting. Well, there's people out here killing people. How about that? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I talked to you about this, Jules, offline. I'm like, can somebody explain to me why it is that those people somehow seem to get away scot-free or they're able to take their own life or in the case of Dylan Roof, we buying him fucking McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever the fuck it was, Burger King, whatever. He had it his way after he killed all the black people. That was a slap. That was a big ass slap in the face. You talking about the kicking the nuts? Yeah. Sitting here and buy this man some damn food. <laughs> I, I I mean, come on, people, really? But, that, but it goes to show. It goes to show you where where they what what they was thinking about. I mean, and it's they didn't t- care. Yeah, they, they didn't care. care. It's like, yeah, we'll you know we got you. Everything's good. We'll take you in. We you know you want something to eat or smoke or something. Why are you smoothing this motherfucker? You should be whooping his ass. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You should be. Boy. But. But, you know, but like I said, man, certain people get certain privileges that other people right. don't. Right. And now my, and you know what? I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to say my heart, my thought, my thoughts and prayers because no one wants to hear that shit anymore. We're just sick and tired of these mass shootings. Now, I don't know what the hell was going on with this 72-year-old man that he decided no. that he wanted to kill people. You 70 years old, man. Get ready to die. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> He's security. I mean, right. I mean, we we made it that long, right? <laughs> we, we made it to like, 72. Like, what are we doing? Go on an island somewhere, man. Go have yourself a pina colada. Go look at ladies in bikinis. Right. Go fucking go do something. Right. I'd much rather them do that than to go out here and get right. no. Only thing he's hurting them is the eyeballs. That's it. And probably something else. But I mean, the only thing he's hurting is my eyeballs. No, he ain't out there killing nobody. But oh, prayers. I I I heard about the mass shooting and I, you know, looked at it and I was like, okay, well, what will happen? People in there dancing, having a good time and date night and all. I said, this dude, what? I said, what the? And then it was like where, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, Monterey, where, you know, heavily populated with Asian Americans. And I said, man, what my man on? And I said, oh, this is ridiculous. This is just terrible. Well, they're celebrating their lunar yeah, new year. Yeah, right. Yeah, the new year, right? Exactly. You know, and I was celebrating, and I was literally twenty miles from 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 where it happened, which was crazy. Oh, and, wow. and, that, and that's just Jules. But the, yeah. the thing was, I'm sitting here like, wait, where is that at? Torrance, California. I'm like, shit, it's kind of close to here. I got on that little Google thing. I'm like, man, I, I, did they find this motherfucker? Because because at, at first all I saw on TV was that white mm-hmm. van, right? They they didn't tell you that he was dead inside there. They were right. like, oh, we found the van. I'm like, oh shit, where he at? Found, yeah, I'm like this motherfucker on the loose, y'all. <laughs> yeah, SWAT. Yeah, SWAT came in and found him in the in the you know he took his own life. You know, a coward way to go out. Yeah, I mean, well, he was a coward uh, to do know. what he did, shooting people when they right. out there having exactly. the time of their life. And, and they said that this man used to be at this dance place. So was this targeted? Was he mad at people? Right. Did something happen there? Did a woman uh, turn him down? Like, w- what's the problem, sir? That's the thing. We got no motive. Mm-hmm. We just got another mass shooting. Everything speculated, like, you know, but it, it's just terrible. I mean, people just out here just, uh, this first two things we talk about with, with, with Terry uh, Nichols and, 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 and 72-year-old grandpa, it's like the world, prayers, it seems like this world is just, I mean, we talked about it plenty of times. It's just, just people just in it and just miserable and mad and, Mm-hmm. angry and just want to hurt people and don't care 
It's inhumane. It's dirty. It's cold. And, and, and they go out and, and they do, do things to people that don't deserve it. That's just living their life, having fun. And then, hell, man, if you mad, if you if you mad, if you mad and, and, and don't want to be here, man, well, well you, you know, you do something about it to your own self. I mean, yeah, you're going you got around, options. You got right. options. <laughs> I mean, just going around, people having a good time. You know, cat going home for you know going going somewhere, going home. If you made an infraction or something, okay, there's ways of doing it. You know, I, it's just just it's just sad, man. I, president, you know, like I said, we talked about it. I said we we worry about the future. We worry about the next generation. We you know we worried about our parents. We worried about our, our brothers and sisters and just in general because this life is this life is is, is precious. You're here today and, and, and gone tomorrow. And it's like we got to take every day, we got to take day by day, every day, just loving one another and just and just just being there for, you know, just being there for people and loving people and being friends and just being because and being prayerful, real talk, man. And it's 42 of these type of attacks happened in 2022. They happen mm. so much, man, that they don't even shake the core of, of things anymore. When that happened, I was sitting at the bar. Mm -hmm. Two people looked up. Most of the other people just shrugged their head. Most of the other people just shrugged their shoulders. These things are happening so often that people don't even fucking blink anymore about them. It's, 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 it's desensitized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. That's mm -hmm. a bigger problem. That's a problem. Right. Because now we're coming to accept this shit. And it's going to get to the point, Jules, where people are not even going to feel comfortable leaving their homes. Think about this. These people are out celebrating, trying to have a good night. You never know when danger is around the corner. And that's mm -hmm. the worst way to live your life. It's an awful way to live your life. Always on the defense. Right. But guess what? These are the times that we have to be that way. And this is not the way to live. But I'd say one thing to Jules, you said that really hit home with me. You talked about the fact that people needing to think about their brothers, sisters, parents. Mm -hmm. We have to get back to the point in this humanity where we think about other folks, not just ourselves, not about our own trauma, not about our own pain. Mm -hmm. Because as I mentioned earlier, Jules, you got options. If you're dealing with something, go get some help. Go talk to somebody. And if worse comes to worse, and if it's that bad, don't take anybody else out with you. Right. Right. I don't want to see people out here committing suicide, but I also don't want to see these mass shooters because someone's dealing with mental illness. Time out for that shit, man. It's time out for it. This shit is senseless, just like the killing of Tyree Nichols. Now his family has to bury him for no good reason. And that's what I'm saying. This episode, right. we talked about coping right. with trauma. Both of these situations, the, the citizens in, in Monterey, California, are going to have to deal with the trauma of that situation for mm -hmm. years. Think about the owner's son that disarmed this guy. Think about the trauma that he's going to be dealing with. He's probably going to be having nightmares for at least the next couple of weeks. Imagine, well, not Jules, but audience, imagine you guys confront someone with an armed gun. Mm -hmm. And you have to disarm that person. You ain't trained for that shit. Yeah, for that cat to even 
approached him with a gun and disarmed him. It's man, he's a hero. He's a hero. He's That's a right. hero, man. I mean, it, it, a lot of people don't don't have to, you, you know, far as deal with confrontation. Just somebody squaring up on you. But if, just imagine somebody with a weapon. You you take that a hundred times. You heighten that a hundred times, and <laughs> man, he saved lives, man. And I know I, I believe he was on some of the uh, networks, the news networks, and talked about his experience and what, and, and doing, them, doing them things where you wouldn't even think. You see, you and you have people out here where you know you see something that's going on that's you know that's detrimental, and, and it, you just react. There's even no thought process in it. <laughs> you just Hey, he approached it. I did what I have to do. And, you know, kudos to him, man, ticket. But for him to go out and kill the, the 10 or 11 and ruined it nine, this world is just, this world is just strange times. Yeah, strange just, times. Just strange times. But we're we, we going to keep moving forward. That's one thing we're going to do for damn sure we're going to do. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep living. Yeah, we're going to do that, man. But I also feel like that's kind of part of the problem in a sense, right? Because when we say we're going to keep on living and we're going to keep moving forward, mm -hmm. that was the sentiment that I took from the people in the bar when, when we saw it flash on the TV that this guy had, a, you know, when he killed these 10 people, mm -hmm. and people didn't even seem bothered by it. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, there's a there's a level of we need to to keep moving, but I also think there's a level of us needing to kind of try to figure out what, what can we do? What can we do to to fix this? What, what can we do to save lives? You know, what can we do to pay attention to the people in our lives that we may think that are troubled? Because there's somebody listening to this show right now that probably knows someone in their life that's like, hey, hey, I've been kind of worried about such and such. He's been acting different. He's been acting off a little bit. We all know people in our lives that, man, this person probably can use some help. They can use some resources. I think there's things that we could be doing to pay attention to signs. And I think that a part of moving forward from these things, yeah, I agree with that 100%, Jules. But I also think that we got a responsibility that we owe to the world, to humanity, that if you observe something, do something about it. Think about this kid that disarmed him. That dude was just mm -hmm. working probably off of pure adrenaline. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he saved probably countless lives because if he didn't do that, that man would have went into that ballroom and, and shot up a bunch of other people. Yeah, you know, what what the coaches was saying was time to go off the bench and and, and and get in the game. I mean, those are things when we, we keep, you know, what you said as far as, you know, somebody or see somebody that's not right, okay, intervene. I do the intervene is, it's everybody, everybody. I mean, it's just everybody just getting just getting involved. I, 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 that's the question. What what can we do to 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 curb this? That's a good question. Uh, I think the biggest thing is probably just, you know, just intervening, just intervening, man. If you see something that's not right, uh, something is off. You notice one cat is one way, and now he's different. That's that's when we're intervening. We have to bring humanity back. You know, we have to be, you know, our brother's keepers and mother's keepers and all that stuff. I mean, I, 
that's that's just one that's just one way of 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 of, of curbing this. But one thing for sure, we can't be desensitized to this. No, we can't just like look at this and it's like oh, another shooting. Oh, all right, what the Bulls doing? You know, it's pretty much right. Yeah, that's, that was the, that know, was the vibe it, that I got. I was sitting there looking around. I'm like, wow, people just went right back to their conversations. I'm like, this is not. Yeah, you look, to be. yeah right. You look up like you see it, like uh, what seventy two? Damn, my, my grandpa went off. Yeah, man, pass some chips over here. Yeah, so it's just it's 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 fucked up, man. And like you mm-hmm. said, to your point, intervene. I wish that one of the five officers would have intervened when that situation escalated. Oh, because Jules, I don't know if you heard the chief when he was speaking on CNN. Mm. He said that when he observed everything, that he said that the officers went into this thing riled up. That they already was on 10. What is the one thing, Jules, you always say in those situations? Mm. The number one thing that an officer needs to do when they go toward those situations. Man, you got to assess. You can't go in there 10. Because when you go in there 10, right? Yeah. You already right. dealing with people. Like, listen, bro, mm-hmm. I'm 43 years old. I have my heart still pump when them lights come on. So imagine if somebody comes towards you aggressively like that. It already takes a very tense situation. It turns up the temperature even right. more so. Right. A, a good officer, an optimum officer, can read the can read the signs and read the body language. That's all we do, read body language. Right. And I, a quick story. I stopped a, a female yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she was hands up. And I said, oh, well, you know, hey, what's going on, miss? You got, you know, light, I, you know, one of your headlights out. I just want to let you know you one of your headlights out. And um, uh, she was like, yeah, you know, do you, do you by chance have a license? And she's like, yeah, it's in my backseat. She said, please don't do nothing and stuff. I said, girl, go on out here and get them license. You know what I'm saying? I'm, trying, and I'm breaking the ice. Like, you mm-hmm. have nothing to worry about, you know, this. We, I know she was tense. I know right. she was afraid a little. So it's my job to try to ease that. Break the ice and ease it. You good. Everything's okay. I had a posture like, even though, tech, you know, tactfully, if she was to do it a little okie doke, all right, I'm ready for it. But sure, sure. I did my my posture was like I was real relaxed. I was leaning on her on her side mirror. You know, saying I'm talking about man, this is a nice little whip. I think she had one of the Durangos. I said, man, I wish I can afford one of these. And she <laughs> said, Stop playing. You know you can afford one. You know what I'm saying? But we, you know, like I said, I get it if there was a high speed chick, the, the adrenaline's pumping this. I I I get it. Once I've been in them shoes, I get it. But once you get out there and assess the situation and you can do, you know, you see what dude on, he's not a threat. Okay, then I, I'm, I'm doing something else. I don't have to be, I don't have to be on 10. I don't have to be on 10 for that because I, I said that he's not a threat. You know what I'm saying? You got five cats. You, you get three, two of them was just watching. Mm-hmm. I, Somebody's got to step in there, man. Right. Somebody have to intervene and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. He good. <laughs> he good. Because I, I, I know in this situation, they said that he fled on foot. But the point okay. that I was just trying to make earlier was, even still, mm-hmm. don't we have uh, tasers? Don't we have a way to, well, sorry, because sometimes people get those things confused between that and their guns. But what I'm uh-huh. trying to get you guys to understand is, audience, listening to me. Why is it that somebody that runs or somebody that gets a little fidgety gets the shit beat out of them, gets killed? Uh, Meanwhile, we got mass shooters out here. 
they don't right. get that same type of energy. Right. They don't get that same. They don't, they don't get that same energy, right? You know what I mean. That's the thing, man. Julie, where just right. to me, it feels it feels intentional, and I'm and I'm not even just coming for white officers. I'm coming for our own. Come on now, we gotta mm-hmm. be better. It's 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 like Chris. It's like y'all out of all things, y'all should know better, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait. It's like th- really. I said nobody had no. It, all these brothers here, and nobody say uh, like what. What was he doing to a point y'all 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 beat this dude to death? What was he doing? He was not a threat. He was he was running. So he's a he's a what's he, what's a, he's a he's a assailant, right? He's an assailant. So Darius, we have use of force with what we can do when people are fleeing. And if he's not fighting you, we can't throw blows if he's not fighting. If he's just being a resistor, active resistor, he's just resisting. He don't want to be cuffed up. There's other things we have to do. You know, you get like press, like you said, taser, spray, open hand strikes, palm strikes, pressure points. Hell, just, just, just first and foremost, what I like to do, talk to the dude. Let's see, <laughs> bruh, you know, I'm trying to do at the, the, the minimum work possible to, to affect this thing. The minimum work possible, the easiest approach. I don't want to do all that damn paperwork. Brother, I'm treating you like a grown man, like a human being. Here's your options. Listen, we stopped you because you played to expire or used a stolen car, wherever the case may be. This is where we at. Now listen, when we do cuff you up, we'll take you in. You get your you get your phone calls, you can take your your, your picture, your fingerprint, you get something to eat. You know what I'm saying? Let's not do this. Let's not let's not resist because that's an extra charge. Let's not fight because that's an extra charge. You know what I'm saying? Because when we do this, when we do it the right way. It's cool. Everything's good. You, man, the most effective tool you have is your goddamn mouth. Mm-hmm. And I learned that. I learned that from early age. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, God, we don't have to. You don't have to be physical like that. Not on him. No. And, then when, and then when it comes down to a person who's talking to big stuff, you quiet. See? You know what see, I'm saying? See? See, because, Jules, you probably see it all. Yeah, I see that. I said, y'all going to let this dude talk shit? Mm. Not somebody that's 140. Not somebody that's 140. Not somebody 140 pounds of scared right. shit. Right. And even still, the one that's talk stuff is like, bro, you ain't doing nothing. Yeah, and I knew. <laughs> I, I knew what you meant by that. Yeah, I knew what you meant. Right. But my right. thing is, You're when I looked at the picture of Tyree Nichols, bro, I'm looking at this cat. I'm like, y'all big five, big swole, muscle head ass motherfuckers. Y'all weren't worried for y'all safety around that dude. I, right. He was scared. He was right. You gotta read that. You gotta read it. You have to read it. And you, you just know. shared that traffic stop which you had with that young lady. How you came into it, de-escalated, mm-hmm. relaxing her, setting our minds. But at the same time, your training still tells you right. still keep your head on the swivel. We, right. We still on guard now. <laughs> we still yeah. on guard. I'm still watching. Just in case you pull a okie doke. Right. Yeah, I'm just still watching. <laughs> And rightfully so. Some weird shit happens out here, Jules. <laughs> but man, audience, I'm just this episode just came in and and and, and uh, just I don't know. It just seems like every time we get on this mm-hmm. show, we talking about t- these situations. I'm just so sick and tired of this being our new normal, where every week we can talk about another situation like this. You know, it gets to the point where people. 
will sit here and they'll have flippant attitudes about it. Like, well, I can't get all up in arms about this shit because it's going to keep happening. Well, I want these things to stop happening. So I would hope that we can do something to stop this shit. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of talking about it. Yes. But I'm also even tired of seeing people die that don't deserve to die. Mm -hmm. This shit ain't right, man. You shouldn't die leaving your house because you want to go celebrate a holiday. Right. You shouldn't right. die because, you know, your, your, your headlight out or whatever the situation may mm -hmm. be. Are you reckless driving? Mm -hmm. Whatever the situation is. Arrest the motherfucker and let's keep the shit moving before mm -hmm. we get into our listener letter. Okay. Driving around in California, boy, it's, it's like you driving on Indianapolis 500 oh, Speedway. I've been on them. I've, I've been on that 405. Isn't it crazy? Oh, my God. You won't talk about reckless driving and you never see anybody get pulled over out there. No, you don't. <laughs> man them people drive like they they got a purpose like they got on they on a mission Bro, I'm, getting... I'm talking about i'm doing 90 of people passing me up like passing me up up <laughs> you know what i'm saying man hey, go ahead i'm moving out the way go ahead don't, don't, yeah don't... i'm like sitting up here like i don't need to get there that fast that, that damn bad <laughs> look you know on the damn ride and so we got slow there's a slow lane you see uh -huh. you know ain't no slow lane out there everybody's everybody gone Man, I was out there, my wife and I was out there a few years ago, three, maybe three to four years ago, had a rental car driving. I'm like, uh-uh, let me, let me go out the way. It's but then you, then you start, then you start driving just like them. Then you just start just driving like them. Well, you, 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 you definitely, uh, you definitely start mirroring the behavior because you're going to yeah. run off the road if not. Right. I said, oh, let me, let me put some, let me put some gas in this thing. Well, all this, we're going to, we're going to turn the page here. We're going to get into our listener letter for this week. So this one comes over from Miss Felicia. Mm. And Miss Felicia says, my boyfriend needs to have the spotlight on him at all times. She says, it seems like every other week he tells me that he went off on some coworker because they don't respect his authority. I have to remind him that he's not anybody's supervisor at the job. He's just been there longer than everybody else. That's funny. She says, he's got a big ego and an even bigger mouth. Damn. One of the things that irks me about him is that he laughs obnoxiously loud and brags all the time for no reason. She said, I'm talking about bragging like he can knock it out of the park every night when he's really not even tapping first base type of bragging. Damn. Yeah, she going in. Damn. She said, it's gotten to the point where I don't even like going out to dinner or getting drinks with him because he has to find a way to talk to some random strangers to tell them about his job and all the places he's traveled to and et cetera. She said, it's annoying and it's superficial and no one really cares at the end of the day. She said, I've spoken mm -hmm. to him about this behavior and how it turns me off. But said, but he doesn't seem to get the memo. How should I be communicating this to him to affect actual change? Because what I've done isn't working. Man. I, I mean, here's the thing. She already talked to him about it and it doesn't seem like he's doing anything. He's doing anything different. Ah, huh. I hate to, I hate to say this because I like to see things work out but sometimes things doesn't work out all the time and you might need a, a separation to see so he can get the point mm. you know what i'm saying he said hey we know we need some space we need a time out because i've talked i came to you with some things I, I don't some things about you that that is concerning you know you're a good person but you know the bragging don't nobody like bragging you know what I'm saying pride come before the fall brother Nobody at the end of the day, you can't take none of this stuff with you. 
but the memories you share with your lady and your family stuff, man, that's that's priceless. And if he doesn't understand that, get that, man. I, I, I you know, what I'm saying I'll just kick rocks. Man, that's my that's my loose take on it. Yeah, I mean, I I think Felicia listening to this, I'm gonna break it. I'm gonna break it down for you a little bit. First part, when you talk about him and the ego and being superficial. When I'm reading through to the letter, it kind of seems like you don't respect him. And so it's kind of hard to be in a relationship with somebody when you don't respect them. Because I can tell you one thing, I don't like people to brag either. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There were some people that used to be around our circle that was like that. And I'd say me and Jules kind of looked at, the, at each other. was kind of like, yeah, this ain't our type of people because mm -hmm. we ain't like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's kind of one of them type of people. So I can understand where you're coming from. I think anybody that has to go around talking about their job and reminding people what they have and what they got, that person's insecure. So I think that what you're dealing with is you're dealing with a brother that's insecure. He needs to go to therapy. He needs to go figure out what, what it is about him that he needs to get all this gratification from other people. Because that's what it is. He has to go out here and seek out talking to this person when you guys go out. How can you just can't be on a date with you and just enjoy your company? Mm -hmm. Now, it's okay to be social with other people because I like to be social. But if he's seeking it out, then that's a problem. It's like, bro, relax. They don't really care. Now, the second part of the equation is you talked about the fact that you've had the conversation with him mm -hmm. and his behavior has not changed. Well, there's nothing more for you to do. You've communicated it. Why should you have to now go around and try to communicate it a different way? He's a grown-ass man. And if a grown-ass man can't figure out how to fucking be a grown-ass man and a real man, then that's not your problem. Mm -hmm. He sounds like that person at work that everybody wants to secretly punch in the face. That's what he sounds like to me. <laughs> Everybody got one like that. And he sounds yeah. like that guy. You sit over here and remind him that he ain't no supervisor just because he's been on the job longer than everybody else. That Mr. Seniority guy. Everybody got that guy. Because you because your dumb ass had been in the same position for 20 years and you you could tell somebody something. Shut your ass up and sit your ass down. Mm -hmm. That's who he is. That's who that guy is, Jules. So honestly, he needs to go to therapy. And I don't even think he needs to be worried about being in a relationship because he loves himself so damn much. I don't even think he noticed you, Felicia. When you mm -hmm. got time to compliment you if he all he doing is talk about himself. Right. I that that's 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 I, that's it there. Cause if it's everything just me, 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 I don't see this, I don't see this working. I don't see it working. I don't see it fulfilling. I don't see it lasting. I don't see it prosperous. Because, you know, my man, this is just you know, she's loud and obnoxious and doing things that just not pleasing to her. And she she just she just disclosed it to it and still doing the same thing. So it's like, you know, like mom always said, I can show you back and tell you there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, all right, here's my next move. And then he looked at one and like, oh man, what's going on? And you never know. You might, that's what it was, what it might need. He needs a reality check. You know, I tell, I tell you one thing, Felicia, make your next move your best move. You know what I'm saying? Because oh, yeah. with a cat like that, he sound like a goofy. Real talk. Yeah. He sound like a goofy. <laughs> this, is letter, this is a letter pretty simple. This is a letter pretty yeah, simple. it's pretty simple. Hey, man, it's really simple. You need me to supervise. You walk around like a boss. <laughs> right, come on, bro. 
Oh, dog. I, I'm sure probably when people see him walk up, they're like, oh, shit, he about to come over here with that bullshit. Yeah, it's going to Michael manager. <laughs> that's not a manager, so just Mike, right, That's not a manager. <laughs> that might be the real problem. He probably walking around with a biker-ass dick. Felicia, <laughs> is that the problem? Oh. <laughs> she going to hit us back. Exactly the problem. He talking, bragging, talking about he knocking off the park. He ain't even, I ain't even, he ain't even off the bench. Like, no, remember she said, she said, this motherfucker ain't barely tapped the first base. I took, I took, I took that as in your window. What are you trying to tell Ooh. us, Miss Felicia? Trying to tell us that shit uh, ends before it starts. What, what we talk, what we talk about over here? Damn. See, that's what that brother needs to be worried about. He needs to worry about satisfying this woman and stop trying to make mm -hmm. himself look big. When he ain't big, apparently. So I don't know, Felicia. I think you know what to do. All right, you're exactly. the tone of your the tone of your letter. Whew. Mm -hmm. You came in hot. Well, spicy on that shit. You had jokes for him, shit too. I wasn't trying to clown him, but I, I can only go off of what you saying. You said my man had a big ego and the <laughs> you you said my man had a big ego and an even bigger mouth. That shit had me rolling it, Jules. When I read that shit, I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she sound like she's done. It's like you're done, son. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what the problem is, Jules? When she try to break up with him, he probably ain't gonna care. He be like, "I'm fine. You be all right, right?" Oh, you be all right, girl. Thomas, I still love me. <laughs> I love me. He look in the mirror. I don't need her anyway. Yeah, it's about some. Wait till I go to work tomorrow. Darren, he don't put the boxes away the right way. Wait till I talk to him. Right. He said, put the boxes away. Vernell. Ooh, <laughs> what if that was his name? It's <laughs> <laughs> always a Vernell, always fucking up. Vernell. <laughs> Felicia, is his name Vernell? <laughs> we we going to need a follow up on this one. I got so many questions. Oh man, because I'm seriously with that first base comment you made. I feel like you were trying to tell us something. You that's probably you that's probably why she be rolling her eyes, Jules. Because he be sitting over here doing all this bragging, and she like, bro, you last five seconds, shut your fucking mouth. Because women, I'll tell you one thing, man. Women have the ultimate trump card on us in a lot of ways. Don't be mm -hmm. one of these brothers out here, man. You giving out weak dick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. boy. You better yeah. be humble if you are, sir. You better be yeah. humble. Yeah, you, yeah, that, and yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you better be the type of guy that you better be scraping off the the, the ice off them damn windows. I'm talking about mm -hmm. before she even get up. Right, that's the kind of guy you need to be. You putting out no. that weak dick. He ain't really doing nothing. Yeah, he ain't doing nothing bad. But yeah, I tell you one thing, he, he, he do taking care of everything around him. Yeah, <laughs> there be no ice on the windshield. Right. Where she like, all right, well, you know, hey, I'll, it is what I'll it put, is. I'll put up with it. He right. Cooks right. He, he cooks breakfast in bed. Right. So ain't the good thing he does in bed. But now this guy on the other hand, don't sound like he doing nothing. Oof. But bragging. Mm -hmm. And ruining dates. Mm -hmm. And making all his coworkers hate him. Sir, I don't even know you and I hate you secretly. So I don't even know what the fuck. I'm reading this letter and I don't like the guy. I need to have empathy towards you, sir. But I'm. it's hard. Because you remind me of some people that I know in life that it's hard to like these people. I'm sorry, Felicia, but you know what to yeah, do. Right. Bye, Felicia.
<laughs> but I tell you one thing, man. That that, that guy, he sounded like he extra. Speaking of extra, man, Larsa Pippen, Jules. Oof. We just talked about her man. not too long ago, but now her and Michael Jordan's son are official. And we just talked about the disrespect for Scotty. Bruh, Scotty Pippen can't say nothing else about Michael Jordan ever again. You can't open up your mouth, Scotty, and say one motherfucking word about Michael Jordan ever again in life. Well, well Prez, this 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 is the question. Is is Marcus into Larza really into her, or he's just doing to get back at Scott? Could be both. I mean, come on, man. Prez, I all right, all right, okay, okay. Let's say I'm in the I'm in the limelight or whatever the case may be. And Laura's a Pippen's around. Because of her track record, I'm not I'm not going there. You know what I'm saying? Like what why? It's like I don't know. I I I mean that's just me. I I know you got guys out there that don't care, but I I, I want some class. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't look at it and she hooked up with this person and that person in the future and, and this and that. And it's like, my God. All, all her business out in the street. Right. I, I don't roll that way. You know, we can be, we can be friends. But I'm friends. Okay, <laughs> friend. Jules said, hey, I can, I can counsel you, but I ain't dating you. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. What do you think, dude? Could you? <laughs> so I would say if it were me, I can't shame her. Because she out here doing the shit that I was doing in my 20s. So I can't really say nothing about that. I just feel like the way she moving just a little reckless, though. Well, she's right. 50-something years old. Like, come on, at this age of life for you, okay, cool. Do your thing. But mm-hmm. man, don't be so public out here with it. Like, it's just like you you do it too much. Right. It's just messy. That's what I'm like. It's just your, messy. Your, your ex-teammate's son. Ex-teammate, right. Your ex- I, it's messy. Like, I'm like, I wonder if low-key... Did, did Marcus Jordan used to sleep over at the Pippins' house when he was a shorty? Oh my God, that would be that would be crazy! And now he's smashing. Now he's he was looking at her as a little kid, and now he's looking at her as a big kid. I mean, I, when he was a shorty, she was auntie. Right now she's now she's mama. Ooh. Oh my God. Wow. It's a crazy ass world. This is a crazy ass fucking world. Hey man, you a fool. <laughs> Spent the night over there. I'm just telling you, he probably had sleepovers over there. Probably, you know how we was as kids, you know, probably thinking like, man, All she right. kind of she kind of nice looking lady. And then he fast hey, forward later in life. Now he face Latin. Listen, right. now you fast forward later in life, Jules. Now he living his his fucking boyhood dreams over here. Hmm. See, Marcus, now Marcus over here, every time I see him in a picture, he'll never be smiling. He just be, he just be looking all serious and shit. I'm sitting up here like, Marcus, what's your end goal here, bro? What you doing? Right, right. And I ain't gonna take nothing away from him. Lost are bad. She bad. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, Scotty, dude, I bet Scotty be like low-key. He be punching himself in the mirror every time he fucking wake up in the morning. <laughs> Scotty took a more L's publicly than any man <laughs> in the history of, of fucking taking L's. My God. Scotty Pippen literally probably punches himself in the face 
Jules to feel something. Because oh, that woman had killed every part of him. <sighs> this shit fucked up. Man. Yeah, I couldn't imagine no shit I, like that. I, I couldn't be Scotty, dude. I couldn't be Scotty. I... You know, you went out there and talk about Mike, and then next thing you know, you look up and his son is hitting your old lady, your ex old lady. I, I could, Prez, I couldn't. I, like, I, I don't even know what to say. Prez, it's messed up, man. And on top of it, the first picture that she puts up on her Instagram, making their relationship official, they hold yeah. their hands in front of a twenty-three in front jersey. Of a twenty-three, right? You talking about insult? They, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. That's a flex, right? I tell you one thing, Scotty. When you go up against the king, you better not miss. Michael Jordan owns you, sir. He owned you then, and he owns you now. The Jordans own you. The Jordans still beating the Pippins, and I'm sure Jordan beating up some Pippin right now, probably as we speak. Larson getting that game six, Jordan. Mm. Well, I tell you one thing, man. Like you said, press it is nasty out here. Woo. Man, it's nasty. Mm -mm. It's a dirty world, man. I tell you one thing, man. Y'all women, y'all don't play fair. That's all I gotta say. Cause that listen, mm -hmm. if that was if that was me, I'd be at home crying and shit under the covers. <laughs> I was saying, I couldn't be I couldn't be Scotty, dude. I I would just he's <laughs> crying under the covers. <laughs> I come over there, man. Prayers, man. You gotta come out, man. I'm like, leave this me alone. Open up these, open up, <laughs> open up these blinds, man. I like, this my boss said I couldn't have no company. <laughs> Damn, what the hell? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's get something to eat, man. Let's go out. <laughs> I see the jewels off. Jewel be trying to cheer me up. I'll be in there. Who and who just crying, eating chicken and fucking still crying? <laughs> <laughs> who cries on eating chicken? Not a black man. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Hey, man, well, good luck to them, too, man. They make a cute couple, don't they? How long do you see them lasting? Do you give them a year? Over, under? No. No, under. Yeah, I say under, too. That's an under. Yeah, he, Marcus Jordan will get tired of her real quick. You know, she tight and all, but, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder what her kids think about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know it ain't good. Can't you know, be they, good, right? Can't be know, good. They, you know they got friends. Yeah, and these kids talk. Shit. Right. They talk. The kids talk, and not only kids, they talk, they are vicious. You ain't lying. Well, I feel like the adults are more vicious. I mean, listen to us over here talking. Could you imagine what the kids are talking about right now? So I just realized what I was saying over here. I was like, well, I was kind of mean to Larsa. Larsa, you just, Scott, I don't know what Scotty did to you. I don't know what he did to hurt you. But damn, I feel like you got him back a couple years ago. This shit right here is just fucking, this is vengeful. This is crazy. I ain't never seen no woman with so many W's on one man. And I'm talking about every time she turned around, she's doing something to disrespect him. I don't know what you did to her, Scotty. Shit, maybe he deserves this. We'll, we'll know. We'll, we'll Scotty you know do what? Scotty do to her? Right. Something. She must be. She, she, you know what? The press. You didn't you know, press. See, damn it. You, you know, you, you a genius. You're a genius because you, you didn't tap into something. She might be going through something. Yeah, but and this Scotty is her, this is her outlet. She just, right. 
and we we over there being it was sorry for Scott. He might have did something where she trigger all this. Man, with that being said, if he did do something, I'm glad that you at home crying over this shit. I'm whole, I'm glad. Right. Should've kept your damn mouth shut about Mike. Cause I've been I've been I've been MJ over here cracking up about this whole situation. Do you think that MJ and his wife has had dinner with Marcus and Larcy yet? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if so is very private where there's no photo there's no people paparazzi or yeah they, they, they might doing, ooh, could you imagine if they did that shit in public though oh <laughs> scotty scotty might end his life if that happened <laughs> <laughs> he drank his sorrows on them digits <laughs> oh man. Well, speaking of a fool. Okay. Ed Reed was acting a okay. damn fool with that Badoon Cookman situation, Jules. Now you and I was very happy that we saw another former NFL player right. step mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and wanted, you know, lead another HBCU a la Deion Sanders, a la Eddie George. However, Every went out there to Bethune Cookman Jules and showed his ass. But now, Press, it, it, clear some stuff up. It's, clear some stuff up for me. Is it because of the the facilities, the contracts? You know what, what was the? Because I was hearing it was promising, but next thing you know, he japping off. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'll just tell the audience, just in case you guys okay. don't know about the Ed Reed situation with Bethune Cookman University. Okay. They announced that he was going to be their coach December 27th, but they hadn't right. finalized the contract yet. Right, exactly. Right, right. So he came out there last week to visit. Mm-hmm. He said that he was going to be looking for housing, and he wanted to go on a tour of the campus. The athletic director showed him around, showed him the good, showed him the bad, took him by his office. But because his, his contract hadn't been finalized yet and the coach had just been recently fired, I guess his office had been cleaned up. So I guess he's noticed that, that the office mm-hmm. hadn't been cleaned up yet. Then I guess as he's going around campus, he sees trash everywhere. Right. One thing y'all know about Ed Reed, and he told you this when he was a player, he don't like trash everywhere. He's a very clean guy. He got triggered by the trash, went on Instagram, and blasted the school and the administration, right. saying that this right. dirty-ass campus, they didn't even clean my office. He's talking about some, I shouldn't even fucking coach here. He said, I don't even have a contract yet. He just went well, in. Well, mm-hmm. and guess what? But through Cookman mm-hmm. called your bluff. Yeah, they did. He, he was a, he was a product of his own demise right there. What they what they say, Jules? Uh, be careful what you ask for. Oh, you be careful. See the difference between him and Dion. De- of course, Dion was more humble about it. He saw he saw the the discrepancies and the degradation on some parts of the the campus, and he what he did, he fixed it. But he didn't go in like Ed Reed did. You know, I don't believe. I know he he's he he's he spoke about some concerns he had with, you know, he was talking about the track facilities and, and some of the things, the equipment that we need to that you need to uh to to progress and and and, and achieve your goals. But it was a different way, it was a more subtle in, in a way. And and he worked it, he put up his own money to 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 get things going and also endorsements and Ed Reed did a, you know, he 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 didn't have that that that, that tact, you know what I'm saying? He just no. he just went in. 
Henry went in. He embarrassed him. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you one thing, man, Jules. You know me. I, I can be a little bit of a firecracker at times. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. you also have to understand that when you're in a business setting, there's a way to get things done. And there's still a way to hold people accountable. Right. But you don't go in guns right. blazing. It ain't what you say is how you say it. Thank you. Hey, and I you think say, every, boy, I tell you. when they saw that shit, they were like, uh-uh, you just did us a favor by showing us who you are. <laughs> right, right, right. Because they say, if he's at, if he's like that, just, just think if he's a coach, you won't be able to tell him anything. No. I feel like his heart was in the right place. I feel like mm-hmm, he was true. thinking about being a change agent, right? We always talk about that on this show. I feel like every wanted to make change. But he came off, in my opinion, looking a little all over the place. He came off a little angry. Now, you talk about Dion. Dion got things done, and Dion probably was the same way the air was, but Dion did it with a smile on his face, right? Right, right, exactly, right. And Reed came off. He got all that gray in his beard and his hair, and he, all that wild-ass hair, and he yelling and ranting and raving. People are afraid of that shit. You can't be the face of a damn football program acting like that, Ed. Come on, bro. Yeah, dude. It's like, you know how to play. I know you don't like this, uh, Prez. But you know, I mean, something you, you have to, I, you know, you know, so, so to speak, play the game, man. Oh, I knew he was going to say it. Oh, come on. I know you don't like it. Uh, you know, the thing is, but what you had just said. He had that look, and Cats looked at him like, nah, he an angry black man. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, if he would have polished up a little bit and, you know, kind of kind of placate a little bit, but then when they get signed a contract, all right, it's my show. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But along with that was his biggest mistake. winning. His right, biggest exactly. mistake. You had your contract, bro, you acting a fool. Right. You right. made it easy for him. They like we go in a different direction. You know what this? You know what this was to me, Jules. It seemed like both parties didn't do their research on the other party. He didn't do his research. He didn't understand what he was getting himself into, brother. If you know anything about these HBCUs, they're all underfunded, unless it's like a Howard or a Morehouse. But for the most part, they're yeah. underfunded. Mm-hmm. Now I understand mm-hmm. that the conditions at that school are awful because they've had two hurricanes hit that campus. There's students that are talking about mold and, and different conditions that are in the, in the dorms and how they were displaced. It doesn't sound like a good situation. And so for one thing, I feel like Ed Reed acted up a little bit, did bring awareness. But now I'm looking at the players on that football team that were happy to, at, the, at the thought of being coached by him. Now they sitting here like, who's going to be our coach now? Mm-hmm. So it's like, to me, I feel like he's disappointing his players with his behavior. Like, these are young men that are impressionable. They need an adult in the room that's going to act like he's got some damn sense. Like, when I watched Dion, I watched that Coach Prime documentary. Mm-hmm. Dion, I know a lot of people say things about him and say he's selfish and he, he made the moves to Colorado and he left the people behind. He wasn't real HBCU. He wasn't slack. But when I was watching the documentary, I saw a guy that demanded respect with his players, mm-hmm. that practiced what he preached, that went through a, a painful, looks like surgery, and was still out there for his team. Right. Right. Could have lost his life. 
could have lost his life. That's right. He had to get two of his two of his toes amputated, but still out there, coach. Mm-hmm. Still out there. Mm-hmm. I just feel like with this saga with Ed Reed, I hope it teaches a lesson to the HBCUs about trying to get these superstar coaches to come in. And I hope it teaches these former NFL players a thing or two about using your platform for good. Because look at Eddie George there at Tennessee State. You don't see Eddie George making himself the story there. And Eddie George even said that he told Ed Reed, hey man, you gotta look at the long, you gotta look at the long game with this. Yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. This not gonna happen overnight. I took offense that Ed Reed sat up there and said that he's done more in one week than the people that worked at that university for years have done. That's a slap in the face to those people. Right. That you know, also what, is you coming in with ego. You don't know what the fuck these people are doing behind the doors. I was just about to say doors. that. Right. I was just about to say that. They were probably working with a far less, working what they have, you know, to make the thing, you know, just, just to make it make it run smoothly. Like you said, they underfunded. So we getting what Prime and George are doing is bringing awareness to these HBCUs. Okay, we're attracted more. Uh, we're gonna get some more uh, coaches, big time coaches, in there to recruit these these five star athletes and build up these HBCUs. Because let's be honest, it should be, it should be taken serious and looked at. All right, this is a powerhouse school here. You can get a good education and good uh type uh atmosphere, and also you can get a good education. It's a good school overall, and not just you coming in there and then shitty environment or the curriculum or whatever the case may be. We missed the opp- he missed the opportunity right there. I thought so too because I thought he could have been a very right. vital and important change agent. I mean, he's from Florida, bro. He right. he was a hero. He played college ball at the University of Miami. It was a missed opportunity on both parties. I think it was a missed opportunity for mm-hmm. Ed Reed that he could have really made some change happen there if he would have been patient. Mm-hmm. I think the thing with him is he was trying to follow that Dion blueprint, but he went about it the wrong way. Right. You got to do and it. I, right, right. And I was going to say for Bethune-Cookman, Y'all need to get y'all shit in order, too, now. Clean up that damn campus. True. True. You know what I'm saying? You guys not, you know what I'm saying, without sin, because could you have had a conversation with Ed Reed and said, bro, this is what was going on? I, I don't know. I don't know if they did or not. I'm not sure. But could it be a, a misunderstanding? Could we not? That's just his passion. You know, could it be like, you know, he, yo, you guys talking. And, you know, some, we all make mistakes. And later on, he, he apologized. Sometimes just had a conversation behind closed doors. I'm just not exactly. one of these type right. of people that if I have a problem with something that I need to go to social media. And the audience, you guys heard our episode last week. You already know how we feel about that. I just think there's certain things. Let's talk about it behind closed doors. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you said that, Prince. I'm glad you said that. It's too many, it's too many people posting stuff and letting everybody in on there. What's going on? You don't need that. Like you family said, business it, is a family business. Right. If he had a problem with the facilities, he could have went to the president himself and talked about it. Like, hey, man, this is, you know, I, I appreciate you bringing me out here and showing me around. But look at, but check this out. Why is this like this? Why is that like this? And then it's probably, like you say, it's faced with two hurricanes. You know, just haven't had a chance or don't have the money or, or whatever the case may be. It's probably a valid uh, excuse. So, so, yeah, it's just like you said, it's just a missed opportunity on both sides. I mean, look at how Eddie George is navigating Tennessee State. That's not easy. They're not even winning. But he's trying to get an athletic center built that where all of the teams from the various 
schools and, and sports can be in one place. Because right now at Tennessee State, he said his teams, one team's practicing all the way over here, another team's practicing all the way over there. He's trying to use his influence to make some change happen. And I'm sure he's going to get that athletic center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess, Jules, to your point, yes, sometimes you got to play the game. You know I hate that term, but I guess you're right. <laughs> sometimes I guess you got to. I just look at it a little differently, you know, but you're right. You're right. I feel like Brother Reed should have oh, came in there. He came in guns blazing, bro. Yeah, he came in shooting from the hip. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. Yeah, he came in with the gun, with the things out, just, just let loose. <laughs> Man. Uh, well, you know what? I'll try to think of another, another way of putting it. <laughs> Don't put it another way. You, you called it a spade a spade. Okay. In this situation, Airbnb should have played the game. Dion did it. Yeah. Just for me, I hate that because it's like for me, it's like a connotation that you can't be your your true self. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Airbnb was being his true self. It's just it was too much. Yeah, it was just overboard. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta just gotta tone it down a little bit, brother. Just tone it down, or just don't go on social media with it. I don't know. <laughs> But you know what? It's crazy because you know what, Jules? We don't. We never know. What if he has conversations behind closed doors? It was just like how he was when he went on them videos online. They probably was like, "What did we get ourselves yeah. into?" Yeah, they they looked at that as like, "No, we can't control this man." And I've said this even about Dion. Mm-hmm. We got to stop looking at these superstar coaches as saviors. They're men just like everybody else. They got to uh-huh. go through the same process as any other coach that comes in here. I feel like a lot of times with black people. We always looking at somebody to be the savior. This person gonna save HBCU. That's why everybody was getting upset with Dion when he loved Jackson State. What you upset about? You looking for this man to be a savior? He's a man. <laughs> you you, you got to look at you got look at what, what what Prime was saying. Coach Prime was saying. I know he he he's he's all about integrity and respect and stuff. He he on day one, they was like, no, I'm coach. Coach Prime. Um, he, he look at things going from glory to glory. So what he did at Jackson State, he brought awareness to that, that, that college. But not only he, – when he left it, he left it better than what he, what he, when he got it. Sure did. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the outcome that we need to, to understand and, and take the grasp in. You're not going to be at the same spot forever. But while you're there, you, you change the dynamics of it. You know what I'm saying? And he's going to do that over in Colorado. And I could see Prime coaching the NFL one day. You know, if he wants. I, I, I think he, he, he has it. He has it. That what he has, what he's showing, what I really like, what I love about, about Coach Prime, he cares. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's not doing it just, just a coach. He's teaching life lessons. He's bringing people in to talk to these players. He's bringing, you know, he's talking to his, his uh, assistants and you know, and that's and that's big. I mean, when he put out that statement about, you know, uh, oh, I forgot what happened. I think uh, uh, with Alabama, uh, you end up getting getting called for murder or whatever. And 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 he was like, leave those people behind. You know, you bring you you have a light shine on you, and you can't light and dark don't mix. And if you have somebody in your life that's just just negative and in that streets and doing that mentality, leave that. Because we we going from glory to glory. We, you know, we prosper. We, 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 we righteous here. We living, we living good. Yeah, he you was know? talking about that student athlete that got involved with a friend of his that like killed somebody. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, and those those things, that's 
that's fatherly advice. Some of them cats probably don't, you know, didn't didn't grow up with a father. Mm. And look at look at Coach Prime and say, man, that's that's what a real man. That's what we need out here, men like that, you know. Um, so I I I can really see I can really see you know like I said going from glory to glory and moving moving forward and just changing the dynamics where you where you at and that doesn't only just go for him that go for everybody. No, I mean hundred percent correct, man. It's just an unfortunate situation because I feel like Ed Reed could have done great things there. Oh yes, yes sir. And when you look at Bethune Cookman, think of who the school was named after and what. Mary Bethune stood for. Okay. You got to think about that when you take this type of job on and what you represent. And that was my part. You represent a very prestigious university. Yeah, there's probably some things behind closed doors that need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. True. Address those things behind closed doors. Because if you're in it for the students, like you're saying, or the behavior that you exhibited, was that for them or was that you trying to prove a point? trying to make yourself look like mm -hmm. the savior. Because if it's really about the kids, would you do it more how Eddie George operates? Eddie George go under the radar so much, you don't even hear Eddie George's name. He won't have a film crew following him around. Right. He, he just doing the work. He, he a coach. He just do right. He just, he got his head down. And what Stacey King got that, got that hard head lunch and that lunch pail. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Don't make yourself the, the center of attention. Mm -hmm. I know some people who say that that's what Dion's done. Dion impacted change in Jackson State, so I give him a pass for it. Ed Reed was trying to beat Dion, bro. You ain't Dion. Yeah. Yeah. That shit dude. blew up in your face. Now you over here begging for your job back. Them folks, hey, they moved on. The football team, they passing around a petition. They want Ed Reed to be their coach. That administration, they can't take on that risk. He played his hand too quickly. You don't throw down that ace of spades so early in the game. Ed led with all his spades. Yeah, he that's it. He 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 didn't show his hand, and that's that's a wrap. Somebody on up another guy, like, oh, I can beat that. They like game over. Yeah. <laughs> Man. But audience, the point of this episode is for us to talk about trauma. And maybe Brother Reed needs to deal with some of the trauma in his life. And I'm not saying that to make a joke. He played in the, in the NFL for 16 years. We don't know what type of you know head injuries that he's had. And I'm not trying to sit up here and say from a, 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 a situation where I know that he's had any sort of head trauma. But maybe Ed Reed needs to get some things in his life sorted through. Maybe he's gone through some shit. Because our episode today, we're going to talk about coping with trauma. I feel like a lot of times in this world, Jules, you see a lot of people that are broken, a lot of people that are a shell of themselves, and it's because of things that they've been through, things that they experienced, or things that they're currently going through, right? And that's why they always mm -hmm. say, it doesn't take much to be kind to someone because you never know what they're going through. And I'll share a personal story about some trauma that I experienced in life, and it took me many years to get through it. Anybody that's listened to this show that's from the city of Chicago, you guys all know about the E2 nightclub. I was there that night mm, yeah. when the tragedy happened at E2 nightclub. But through surviving that incident and going through what I went through, I went through a lot of different things from anger to guilt to sadness to almost feeling like, why did I deserve to survive when so many other people 
died. Now, just to kind of loop some people in that may not even be familiar with what happened, this is almost over 20 plus years ago. I was at this nightclub, it's on the south side, south loop of Chicago, and a stampede happened. Now, Jules, I'll tell you, I remember this shit like it was yesterday. Now, the club was, it was packed, shoulder to shoulder, you know what I'm saying? I'm on the dance floor, dancing to some R. Kelly with this little shorty, living my best life. All of a sudden, I go from dancing and, and vibing to all of a sudden, I'm coughing and my eyes are fucking red and I can't mm -hmm. see shit. Mm -hmm. And everything else, Jules, it just went dark for me just from that point on. Survival kicks in. And I just remember being outside and not really even knowing how the fuck I got out there. They had one way to get in and one way to get out of that nightclub. It was a tiny stairwell. They had an emergency exit. But guess what, Jules? The emergency exit was locked and chained up. So it was one way to get in, one way to get out. So now there's mace and shit all in the air because there was a fight and the security guard thought it was a great idea to spray fucking mace in a small ass mm -hmm. area mm -hmm. and create panic. So now I told you guys all this. I'm coughing. Eyes are all red, can barely see. And someone yelled out terrorist attack. All hell broke all hell broke loose. I couldn't see shit. All I remember is falling and falling and falling. People landing on top of me, falling, falling, falling. People landing on top of me. And of course, as I mentioned, audience, survival instincts kick in. And that's where the guilt came in, Jules, because like in that moment, I wasn't thinking about saving anybody else. In that moment, I was thinking about myself. And sometimes, you know, you carry that with you. You think, could I have done more to help somebody else? But I didn't. And that's something that I've had to live with, Jules. Audience. Because that's not the type of person I am. But in that moment, it was kind of like my life versus somebody else's life. And I got the fuck out of there. That's a tough situation for somebody to go through. You talk about coping with that type of trauma. The trauma of going through a situation like that where you see 21 people that have died. That maybe I could have done something to help somebody else but I panicked and freaked out and went into survival mode. That's something that, that stayed with me for many years. And even to this day now, Jules, for me to go in any sort of place where it's enclosed, I have to take meds. Anytime I fly, I take Xanax because I get such anxiety about being in any sort of place where there's a lot of people and a small space, planes, trains. It brings me back to that moment. And so while I've coped with it and I've dealt with the, the grief and the, and the anger and the guilt, the after effects are still there. And the fact that I still struggle with some of the, the aftermath of what happened that night at that nightclub. Dude, I'm just sitting back here listening because I don't, I don't believe you ever uh, told me that, man. No, I don't really talk about that too yeah. much. And I'm just sitting up here just like, wow, brother, I, I can't even... I, I can't even imagine that night. Uh, I remember seeing it on the news and, you know, reading about it in the Sun-Times and people lost lives and just, wow. You know, my heart goes to, you know, the people that lost their lives, but man, thank God you was able to get out. See, that was the part though, Jules, that I was so guilty about yeah. because mm -hmm. I did get out and you know how it is, man. Like when you're used to helping others, 
And mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where people always taught me to serve other people. And that situation, the only person I served was myself. And I had to like do, I had to go to therapy and the therapist had to say, you know what? That was the right decision that you made. Well, right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She's like, what were you going to do if you could even help yourself in that, in that situation? Because I my back got all messed up because I literally fell down a flight of stairs because I couldn't see back all fucked up you know what i'm saying people landing on me i had cuts and bruises and stuff all over me had a concussion it was all kind of shit that happened to me i was confused and dazed mm-hmm. but at, in that aftermath man when i was sitting on that uh on the uh on the stretch and looking at all the what was going on then that's when the guilt popped in you know what i'm saying so that was just the thing for me that i had to get work through that of like could i have done something to help somebody could i have maybe saved someone when i was getting out of there pulling somebody with me because the last image that I had Jules is when I was able to get, I, I, I'll never forget this uh, firefighter. He came over and he grabbed me, threw a blanket over me and he poured water over my face. Cause he saw me. I was, he saw that I couldn't see Poured water over my face. And I could see blurrily after he did that, he took a towel, wiped my face and I looked over at the door and all I saw was bodies and arms and legs of people trying to get out of that that stairwell and i will never ever forget that image it'll stay with you certain things Mm -hmm. in life stay with you and that's why i always tell people is that i had to fight that trauma but it's something it's a day that i'll never ever ever forget Mm -hmm. and i'll say another thing i didn't take a settlement because i want to be able to talk about the shit i'm not gonna be silenced by money now, I know some people may okay. say, you a fool. I would have taken that money. Well, you're not me. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'll be able to talk about this on this show any fucking time that I want to. And nobody can say anything to me about that. Because I'm not signing nothing that says that I'm not talking about the situation because I refuse to. Because people need to know what happened that day. There needs to be a memorial for those people that, that died. There's no memorial. The city of Chicago, they do memorials for less. You don't do a memorial for the right. 20 African-American people that died at that nightclub? They don't even talk about it, Jules. No, when you brought it up, I was like, wow, I haven't heard that in, in years. It's, for, um, you know, it's forgotten. You know, you drive, by, you drive by the place, it's still abandoned, I think. It is. Yeah. And, wow. Man, Brett, why, what made me be in the field that I am is just when... I was young and coming from grade school, my brother and I, uh, uh, the coach and I, I don't even, I'm trying to think, was was Holiday even born yet? He probably was, but probably just just a little little baby. We we came in from, from school and the door was locked. And we thought our mom was home. And it was like, okay, um, we're yelling for mom, you know, open up the door. So we went around back and we saw the basement door kicked in. And it was like, okay, well, you know, maybe granddad was cutting the grass or we're just in and out. So we think nothing of it. So we walking, we were walking and we we looked up to go upstairs, you know, and we saw the door kicked in. And was like, man, what's going on? So we walked in and we saw bags and stuff, and you know, the TV was by the door and it was like, what in the hell? So we we left. Coach was like, yeah, let's go. And we left and went down to a neighbor's house, you know, called 
called our mom and, and she came home, she was at work and she came home and, you know, somebody broke in. And just the, the, just the trauma of seeing that, you know, at an early age, it was like, like, wow, like, this is unreal. Like, you know, you see your, 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 we had like little, like piggy banks and that was broken and TV was gone. TVs was gone and things was, the house was ransacked. And I remember my mom crying and, and, you know, my father came home from work and he was just like, you know, you know, daddy, <laughs> I think, he, I don't even think, I don't think he even showed any emotion. He was just looking like, you know, but I'm pretty sure on the inside he was, he was living. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Yeah. And, he was like, I, I work hard. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I remember we had two officers there and he was, you know, I remember he was, he was playing with us and telling jokes and, you know, he was something like, like Daffy Duck, I remember. And, you know, traumatic because I didn't feel like staying there because somebody was there, you know, this is your house. And somebody, an uh, intruder came in and violated your space. And it was like, I didn't want to be there. You know, I didn't want to lay in the, you know, lay in my room and in the mattress and, you know. So, you know, we, you know, my father and grandfather, my grandfather, my grandparents lived with us upstairs at the time, you know, fortified the door and, and, you know, put them new locks. That's when we got alarm system and, and all that. And, you know, things got, you know, things got better, uh, you know, as time go on. But at that time it was, it was traumatic because it was like, man, this never, nothing like this happened before. And you felt violated and somebody did this and, you know, and it's scary because people were saying, what happened? They were still there. Why y'all walked in? Mm-hmm. And just and also too, that's a huge invasion of your personal space, right? That mm -hmm. will somebody break, like, I've never had that happen, knock on wood, but I've had people break into a car of mine. And mm -hmm. even that, it still doesn't sit right with you because you just like, somebody right. was in my personal fucking space. And imagine y'all as kids, if y'all would have walked in on that person, what would they have done to y'all? Right. And that that scared me even more. It was like, wow, I think I was maybe six. Yeah, you're a little guy. Right. Six and and, and, and like I said, I remember it vividly. And I remember the officers was like, thank God they left. Because they said they was, he, they was there when we opened up their door. We scared them off. But we didn't know. We, we, wow. we just, we was just, just. We think a mom probably just locked the door, but she had the night, the night, the night latch on it. So we was able to open it, but she got that lock, that latch on it. So we like, hey mom, open the door, open the door. You know, if she wasn't coming, it was like, all right, let's go around back and saw the door open. Oh, okay, maybe granddad was doing some stuff. We walked in, see the other door broken up, broke open. It was like, was I was like, okay, no, nah, this is different. Yup. Yep. <laughs> so we walked in and we saw the bags and the house was ransacked. It was like, okay. And my brother was like, no, let's go, let's go. And we got in calling, man. But that stuck with me. And I believe that's one of the reasons why I, I picked the profession I was in um, today because of that. But man, that right there was a traumatic experience, man. I Man. So what, what are some things that you've done to kind of get over something like that? Because obviously there's people that, listen, that are listening to this show right now they've probably been a part of like a home invasion that has happened. And, you know, so like for you, what, what, what did you do to make you sleep easy at night now? So my parents is what really did, you know, 
of course, they, my, my father and grandfather fortified it. I mean, we end up getting bars and we end up getting steel doors. I remember we did a whole, a whole change. We got the security doors. We got the steel doors in the back. We got alarm systems. Uh, we got bars on the window. My mom sat down and she talked to us and was like, you know, thank God, remember my grandmother, God rest her soul. She, she, you know, always talked to. So we had, I had a support system that's, hey, you know, everything, you know, everything's good. Everything's gonna work out. I felt secure. I felt safe because they made, they made it safe. But, you know, I always took that in my mind, like, you know, like, okay, you know, it, it you know, this thing's happening. And even though it, it was scary for a little, for a few, you know, for a few, but, you know, we got over it, you know, got over it when, when things started getting back to normal, but we took precaution, you know, and, 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 and that's what I think helped me, my support system, my family, because it was like, all right, you know, you know, it happened, they got us material, damn, my, my father's like, you know, it's material, then we get it back, you know, it's no, you know, he, he, he put that, he, he was a man, I saw how he, he, I saw how he did, how he took it when, when it happened, he still he still was was a man about it. He, you know, <laughs> that he was a man about it. Mom was all emotional. He made sure she was straight, and then they got to work. My mom, my father, and grandfather got to work, and then my mom, when she collected herself, she sat us down and you know, thank God. And I remember my grandmother coming over and was like, you know, she hugging us like, thank God, nothing happened, to you guys, and you know, and 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 my how I got over it because of my my family. My support, my family, my support system, you know, helped me. Crazy, the story of something that happened to you when you were six years old, how it has such of a impact on your life. And that's the thing is that that's trauma from you being a kid, you know, and, I, and I'm sorry, but that's still probably something to this day that you probably don't even realize it is something that you're probably still kind of carrying a little bit. And it's good though in that moment when you were a kid, when you're at the height of it, you know, you gotta be six years old. That's some scary shit. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? The re the the realization of what happened, right? So no wonder you had that support system. No wonder you had people around you that kind of calmed you down. That, that I mean, that's all you need at that point when you're when you're a kid. I mean, because in my situation, I was 22 years old when that shit happened, and like I said, I had to go to therapy. Also, I had to get back to a routine because there was a while there, Jules, where I kind of closed myself off from the outside world. Mm, I had mm -hmm. media people calling my fucking phone and shit, trying to get me to do interviews. I had people in my family that was over here trying to get me to sue and file lawsuits. It was a mess. There was like a month, month and a half where I didn't talk to anybody. I wasn't going into work. And I had to then realize, okay, I need to go talk to somebody because this isn't healthy that I've closed myself off from everybody. Right. So the number one thing I had to do, Jules, is I had to get back to a daily routine, going back to work, coming yeah. back around people again, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. feeling comfortable being around people again. That took a while. Yeah, because I could only imagine you go and then let's say, like I say, going back to work, but also going through doors, seeing stairs, you know, hearing ambulance and seeing firefighters, all that stuff triggers, you know, big crowds. And like you said, man, with, with the medication and 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 with uh with therapy and people talk, that's why it's, it's it's big to and I'm glad we're having this discussion because we all need help. You know what I'm saying? We all do. We can, I, I don't know anybody in this world went through without help or without uh, a situation where it was traumatic. And if you do have a situation, don't get no help. Just 
just look at what what would you know how how would you cope with this you know is is you know is big because prayers without that help well how would you cope with it you know myself how would we you know what would we would have been like what would it be like and and that's the thing and that's why you know like you said this is a good episode to do because there's people probably that are listening to this right now that may take some things away from this. They may say, shit, I got something that, that I've been dealing with, or I had this traumatic mm-hmm. experience happen to me that maybe I need to go talk to somebody. Cause I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have got through it, man. I was having nightmares. Um, definitely wasn't sleeping. I, like I said, I didn't want right. to be around people. Didn't want to talk right. to people. I was feeling all type of guilt. You know what I mean? And anger, you know what I mean? Because like that shit happened in our community. And it almost to me felt like, no one cared. You know what I mean? When I do remember when I was able to kind of cease a little bit that when law enforcement got there, they didn't get there almost in a way to help like the fire department or the paramedics. They showed up in riot gear. And I'm like, and this is an emergency situation. So I was angry about that, Jules. But again, I also had to deal with the, the guilt of being relieved that I didn't die. Right. So there's just a lot of different emotions that were going on in me right now. I mean, there, there were a lot of emotions that were going on in me at the time. And it just wasn't good because when you go through trauma, you go through all those stages. And I learned through therapy. That was the first time I went to therapy that I had to learn that it's okay to go through those stages because that's a part of recovering. That's the part of healing. And so that's what I learned from that experience mm-hmm. is that, hey, this is natural. These are the things that you're supposed to be feeling. They're like, you just went through a life and death situation. And that ain't the first time. Jules and I survived oh, a head-on car crash when we mm-hmm. were in high school. Man, I remember that too. <laughs> it's crazy because like some of my friends, they were telling me that I had nine lives and shit because like I kept you know, escaping these random-ass situations that were happening in life. And that was another situation that happened to me that honestly, Jules, I think I didn't even deal with the trauma of that situation. So when the E2 nightclub situation happened, both of those things hit me all at the same time. Because I thought about that little kid that was in that car that night when we were in that accident, and that kid that had no seatbelt on, and I was like, oh my God, I hope this little kid don't die. Right, right. So but it's okay for you guys, if you're dealing with some sort of trauma, to have that type of emotion. You know, but it's also... One of those things that you want to just make sure that you're not closing yourself out to the outside world, that mm-hmm. you're talking to people, right? Jules talked about how he had that support system that helped him get through. In my case, I decided to go seek a therapist to help me because I didn't really want to be comforted by people in my circle. That mm-hmm. once I got through and worked through the things in life, it, it, through, once I worked through everything with my therapist, I kind of didn't like told like people in the family and stuff like that. I didn't really even tell too many of my friends like what I went through. Honestly, just because I wasn't even ready to talk about it for a long time. So I just think that there's a lot of people out here that you never know what they've gone through, what they're going through. And whenever you are ready to talk about it, find somebody to sit down and have that conversation with because you don't need to hold that stuff in because when you're holding it in, it's keeping you from healing. It's keeping you from progressing. And then, and in fact, sometimes it holds you back, and you don't even realize. Jules, going to hit him with that curtain call, bro. Press this curtain call goes out to Good Kids, Mad City. This youth-driven group was formed to allow young people to address violence they face in their communities. 
Good Kids Mad City creates healing spaces for young people impacted by trauma and also work to fill the gaps in resources for youth. The group was also instrumental in coordinating food, cleanup efforts, and personal protective equipment giveaways during the 2020 unrest after George Floyd murder. Good Kids Mad City, President I and Pull It Back Curtain podcast family appreciate and salute all your hard work. Hey, Jules, thanks for that curtain call. And this one's dope, man, because this is led by the kids. We hear so much stuff about the children out here, man. But listen, this is a group where these kids are out here trying to be change agents in their neighborhoods. As always, we appreciate your continued support of this platform. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening.